0: Hey, good morning. fresh fire. I remember as a, a young believer um, reading Fresh Fire. Remember that? Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, Jim Cimbala, Brooklyn Tabernacle. How many of you guys read that book? Okay, I'm, okay, never mind. All right. Hey, a public service announcement. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, the parking lot will be shut down. We are uh um, re the parking lot and re in the parking lot. So if you were to happen to be one of those people that park in our parking lot uh, during the week, maybe to, uh, uh, for work or whatever reason, it will be closed off this week, okay? So just, you know, for everyone's benefit, I just want to share that with you. Uh, Exodus, hey, chapter 35 of Exodus. We've, we've only got a few more chapters, man, and then we're going to have to determine where we're going to go after that, and I think we're going to make this huge jump. I, I think we may actually uh, find ourselves uh, in, in 1 Thessalonians, and we may work, work through First and Second Thessalonians, and, uh, but the, the, the sweet thing about that when we transition out of one book to another book and we're working our way through it. I talk to you guys, man, about the rhythm of the scripture. And it's not disjointed and there's a flow to it. And so that'll be maintained even though we find ourselves transitioning out of the Old Testament into the New Testament. You'll see the the continuity, you'll see the character of God remain intact, and it's expressed in a manner where it feels as though you do not skip a beat whatsoever. So uh, you guys can be praying uh, for me as we prepare to make that transition as we find ourselves uh, entering into the latter sessions of Exodus, right? Today is our 60th message out of the book of Exodus. We're, th- we're starting chapter 35, but it's our 60th message in the book of Exodus. So let me give a, a, a quick uh, a review for transition's sake. Hey, God, last week at the uh, end of chapter 34 we saw where God reiterated because He's reestablishing His covenant with a disobedient people after the the whole golden calf scenario that played out in the previous chapters. He's reestablishing His covenant. And remember last week when we were looking at the Scripture, God goes over what He had already given Moses, what He had already spoken to the people, and He says this thing is still in play, right? Meaning, Though God desires a relationship with us, it will not be on any other terms but God's terms, right? His standard did not change whatsoever, and he was reiterating that, right? And then there, there was this, there's this beautiful experience uh, that we saw uh, towards the end of chapter 34 where Moses uh, uh, descends right, and uh, he had been in the company of God and he had come out with the radiance of God on his face, right, and Moses wasn't even aware of it, right, but the people around him could see it. And so we talked briefly about that fact that you and I need to be carriers of that type of a radiance in our lives, right? And and, and one of the attributes of Moses, and we jokingly uh, hinted at it, was the fact that the Scripture says that Moses, and Moses is the writer of the Scripture, was the humblest man of all men, right? But it meant to be brought low. So Moses was brought low so that God would exalt him. But there's, there's this overlapping or this reoccurrence of being brought low and the benefit of us being brought low, being humbled so God can continue to use us as opposed to being exalted and thinking that we can stay in such a place you know, on a permanent level, right? right? And so... This is, this is all happening. Moses comes down. And we notice that whenever Moses would go uh, uh, and engage with God in conversation and in instruction, Moses would remove the veil and expose himself to God. He would come out. He would speak the, as an oracle of God, as a, a mouthpiece of God. And once he spoke what God had him to speak, he would veil his face again. And listen... That in itself is a principle that you and I could benefit from if we would embrace that. That if we would speak what God has spoken to us, and once we speak those goodnesses, those things of God, then maybe to veil ourselves and, and maybe just uh, quit speaking. I can't tell you how many times speaking has gotten me in trouble, right? Anybody else out there? Every husband? Come on, Derek, you know what I'm talking about, Brother? You know what, every husband out there knows what I'm talking about. And every wife out there knows what I'm talking about regarding her husband, right? Okay, so there is this veiling thing. So now we're going to transition into chapter 35, and we're going to do something daring. I know you're scared. I know this is scary. We're going to... That's all right. (laughs) It's not a bill collector, is it? No. No. Listen, we're going to do something really scary this morning. We're going to get through chapter thirty-five. Yeah, hold on, hold on. No, 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 no. no, I don't, I I don't need any patronizing. (laughs) I don't need any. (laughs) Say first a clap. It was like this. You know, scared to death. Right? But we're going to navigate through this. We're going to read a large portion of it. We're going to stop at certain portions of it. We're going to, uh, uh, we're going to comment on some things to, to maybe give you something to think about and something to consider. But then we're going, to, we're going to press on we're going to get through this chapter today, okay? Now, it doesn't mean halfway through it I might have to veil myself, right? If I've sensed the Spirit of God saying, enough, we'll just veil ourselves and we'll close, Right? You, you're with me, right? Okay, okay. So what we're going to do before, before we even get started here, we're, we're going to pray because what I don't want to do is read all this scripture and then go back and through redundancy have to read it again and put you in a catatonic state. That's not my desire this morning, okay? Okay, so let's pray that we can study the Word of God and in so doing Get to know the God of the Word, right? That's how, that's how it works here. We study the Word of God to get to know the God of the Word. Okay, let's pray and, and set ourselves in our spirits and our hearts and our minds to hear. Father, in Jesus' name, we, we come to you knowing the fragile nature of men, that being myself and, and those here who are hearers, Lord, we approach your word as imperfect people, reading the message of a perfect and true God. And so, Lord, in our efforts with the purity of spirit through the leading of your spirit, we want to rightfully divide this word that we might not add confusion to anyone's life, but that we might add a clarity of who you are and what you're doing and why you're doing it so we can leave here with a greater uh, uh, confidence instilled in our hearts and in our spirits of who you are and your purpose for each and every one of us. No one in the hearing of my voice this morning, Father, do I feel is is exempt from your calling and your service and, and a life that you desire to express your goodness through. So may we all hear that this morning morning, and it's in the name of Jesus we pray and ask these things. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's look at this. Exodus chapter 35, Clark, would you pull up verses 1 through 3? 1 through 3. You guys can turn with me in your Bibles if you'd like or you can follow along on the screens up here. Nothing's been altered or nothing's been, uh, uh, what you see is, is what you get. But uh, uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there to Exodus chapter 35, and um, we'll, we'll start there. You can tell this morning I may have had a touch too much caffeine. Okay, that's, I'm not thirsty. I'm trying to dilute that in my bloodstream. Hmm. You'll always know when I've had too much caffeine when my earlobes are dripping with sweat up here while you're freezing. That, that, That is a sign. Okay, let's look at Exodus 35, verse 1 through 3. Very interesting scripture as we transition out of 34, okay? Moses, the radiant face at the end of 34, and then all of a sudden he reiterates the fourth commandment. Now, this is kind of an odd thing. We've already seen this. We've already heard this. This is the 13th time, or 13 times prior to this, has the Sabbath day and honoring of the Sabbath day been mentioned in the book of Exodus. And then all of a sudden it's reiterated right here again and you almost feel like why is it being reiterated? Why is it being reestablished? And yet with the reiteration there's a caveat in these verses that do not exist in the previous verses and it all makes sense once we contextualize what's taking place. So when you read these first three verses and you remove them out of the context, yeah it's going to seem a little discombobulated. But when you say in the context, it's going to make complete sense. Why God would say it again. Let's look. It says, Moses assembled the whole Israelite community and said to them, these are the things the Lord has commanded you to do. Right? For six days, work is to be done, but the seventh day shall be your holy day. Your holy day. A day of Sabbath, right? Shabbat, right? Sabbath rest to the Lord, whoever does any work on it. Listen, this is stout. This is stout. Now, we're going to contextualize this so you'll understand it. He says, whoever does any work on it is to be put to death. Ah! Hmm. And then he said, here's the caveat. Do not light a fire in any of your dwellings on the Sabbath day. Right? Now, Why is God reiterating this through Moses prior to what's about to be read? I want to explain this to you, and you're going to really have a good grasp of why it's being reiterated, okay? It's being reiterated right here because of the task that is about to be given to them as an assignment of the people of God. And you're like, well, what what are you talking about, Trent? What are you talking about? And it's this, they're about to be given this assignment to erect the tabernacle, the tabernacle of God for the children of Israel. They're going to be given this task, this job. And God is establishing right here at this moment, right here at this moment, though a task has been given, an assignment has been given, the task never supersedes your relationship with me. No task of God, assignment of God, trumps the relationship with God. So what he is saying right here in this very moment, he is saying to them, here is the assignment. This is what I want you to do, but do not violate the Sabbath that I've established for you. Remember what the scripture says? Your Sabbath. Do you you understand what I'm saying? Because what's about to follow is a lot of labor. Is a lot of labor. And the reason you and I need to understand that the assignment can never supersede the relationship is because the relationship is what energizes our ability to accomplish the assignment. If we ever forsake the the relationship and engage in the assignment, I promise you, you will end up completely exhausted in trying to carry out the assignment. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know what I'm talking about, right? Let me give you an inside look at this. In Ephesians chapter 3, 20 and 21. Throw that up there, Clark. Do you have that? He doesn't have that. Okay, let me read this to you. Trust me, turn there if you will. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21 says this. Now to him, this is a very popular verse. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. Now who's doing? He's doing, right? To do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, The Greek word is dunamis. We understand we've covered this, meaning dynamite. It's the explosiveness of God according to his power that is that work within us. The term work is the Greek word energio, and it means energize. It means energy. And he's saying that power, his presence, that dunamis is the energizing facet or agent in our lives to accomplish the good works that God has designed us to accomplish in our lives. If you forsake the relationship, you forsake the experience of the dunamis, when the word comes about, the anergio will not be present and you will be exhausted. You will be burdened. You will get burnt out in trying to accomplish the assignment. Trent, how do you know? Danny, why are you laughing? Because you know how I know. I've done that. Oh, I've done it. I've done it so many times where I've said to God, Lord, I'll get back with you as soon as I accomplish what you've called me to do. You know what I'm talking about? I'll get back to praying, but I got to feed the hungry. <laughs> right? I, I'll get back to praying, but I got to teach the class. I got to I'll get back to praying but I got to oversee this ministry. I'll get back to praying. I'll get back to uh, because I got this. I got to I got to drive the church van. I'll get back to praying because I got to do this for the church or that for the, and then all of a sudden you're under the 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 heavy weight of those responsibilities and you're on that side of it and you're like, "Oh God, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. He goes on to say this. Now you're tracking with me, right? I've not lost you, right? Because we got to have this because we're about to go into this intense labor fueled by dunamis and energio, energio, the energy. And this extreme labor becomes a labor of love, right? Because it's energized. Why? Because God is saying, don't forget The Sabbath. Don't forget me. Don't forget this moment of coming and drawing close to me. Don't get caught out in the deep water without me. You're with me, right? You're with me. Okay. But then he says this. Here's the caveat. Do not light a fire in any of your dwellings on the Sabbath. Now, I want to read this to you because I want you to get this. Listen. Why is that mentioned? This is why, even though the process for constructing the tabernacle would require fire, none of the various processes of molding the gold, silver, or brass for the work of the tabernacle would be allowed to interfere with the devout observance of the Sabbath. Everything but the duties of worship were to come to a solemn rest. And you say, what do you, what do you, what do you mean? What does this got to do with the fire? Well, because these people are a lot like you and me. Can you imagine on the Sabbath day and the Sabbath day is closing out and you can imagine one of the dudes understanding that the preparation for building of the temple is going to be greeting them at sunrise the next morning and they're like, okay, we're going to have to melt down those gold, we're going to have to melt down the silver, we're going to have to melt down the brass. Go ahead and get the fire kindled. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? You know when you go home from church, man, and you're trying to enjoy a Sabbath rest in God and all of a sudden... Your next day's responsibilities kind of enter into your mind and into your heart. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? And if your brain and if your spirit had an alarm system, that thing would be going off because of an intruder a thought, an invader of concern has entered into a holy place on a holy day. You know what I'm saying. Am I I the only one that experiences this to the extent that in those moments where God has called me close to Him, I literally have to try to fight those things off? I have to re-secure all the entryways into my heart and my mind because these things are trying to press in? All of us have been there. All of us have been there. And God is saying in this moment... Don't even kindle a fire. Don't even allow a violation, a trespass. Don't, you know, this happens though. This actually happens in Numbers chapter 15. And you know what ends up happening? It only happens one time. You know what ends up happening? A man is stoned to death for doing this very thing. You think God didn't take it serious? What was he taking serious? He was taking serious their rest. He was taking serious their best interest. He had called it your Sabbath. God was establishing, right? God was establishing what you and I will not establish for ourselves. Margins. Margins. God was saying there is a task coming. But there's a margin here and it's called the Sabbath. Live in this. Right? Oh, we need margins in our lives, don't we? Man, we're burning this thing at both ends. Burning it at work, burning it here, burning it there. We get home at, at the house, man, and we're just melted, man. Our wife wants a conversation. We ain't got it. Our husband wants a conversation. We don't have it. Our children say, "Dad, give me a minute. Mom, give me a minute. They, she says to me. you see this, right? And so God establishes this for them because in themselves they probably would not establish that nor honor that. So you're with me. Now we understand why this is where it's at. And now we're moving into this labor of love, right? Right? So let's let's take a look at this. All right. This is what Moses said. Verses 4 through 9. We're going to read a lot of this. Moses said to the whole Israelite community, please stay with me. Please stay with me. Moses said to the whole Israelite community, all right, no one's exempt. No one. This is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Now this is an incredible principle. Right here. This this is incredible. From what you have, this isn't some crazy faith offering nonsense. That's how what, uh, give and trust God, give, put, put this on your credit card, and we'll, we'll trust God to send you the money to pay off the bill at the end of the month. What does God say to his children? From what you have. Well, guess who was the provider of what they had? God wasn't asking what God hadn't already provided. And he says to them, from what you have, take an offering for Moses. No, take an offering for the Lord, right? And listen, we're not talking about money this morning. That's not this sermon. I'm just giving you some context. No one's up here pleading and begging for money. It isn't going to happen here. He said, everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, scarlet yarn, and fine linen, All of this had been provided, and we'll get to that. Goat hair, I got the goat hair, right? Ram skins dyed red in another type of durable leather. Acacia wood, oh, does that come into play? Olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense. By the time I get this drink, I will be kind of settled down. And onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and the breast piece. Every time I read that, in my mind it's already geared. I always want to read breastplate. Do you ever do that? You know what your mind's already going? Breast piece, right? Notice what the scripture says there, right? In in, in verse 5, he says, everyone who is willing, everyone who is willing, God isn't into twisting and manipulating and scheming you to give. That's not what he's doing. He says to to everyone, everyone who is willing, right? That's what he said. That's what he said. Now, I, I love this because it speaks to the idea of an individual who's delighting or desiring to be one of those guys who's willing to give whatever God has provided Cheerfully. Cheerfully, right? And and we know where I'm headed with that, right? We're going to jump into 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8, when it says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly; whoever sows generously will also reap generously. I'm not apologizing for the Scripture. That's what the Scripture says. Wrestle out your own theology in regards to that, what you perceive that to say, and I'll correct you after church. Just kidding. Just kidding. Sort of. Each, I'm just kidding. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Listen, for God loves a cheerful giver. Cheerful in the Greek, hilaros. Guess what we get for the word hilaros? Amen. Well, let's stretch it. Hilarious. Cheerful. Hilarious. Hilarious. For God loves a hilarious, joyous giver. And check this out. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times. Now listen, we're going to make this connection. God is able to bless you abundantly. We got that, right? So that in all things at all times, having all that you need. Did you get that? His abundant blessing is providing what? Everything you need. That doesn't look like what we think when we think abundant blessing, right? No, man, I I I, I don't need God to bless me abundantly for the things that I need. I need God to bless me for the things that I want, right? Well, that's not what the Scripture is saying. Not only does it not say that, let's continue to read this. So that He's going to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, why? Having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You see that? Now, here's what's crazy. God had already blessed them with everything that they would need to do what? To abound in every good work that God had already established for them to complete in this chapter. Right? Right? That's, that's what the scripture says. And look, you go into Mark chapter 12, verse 21, 41. You remember the, the scripture where Jesus is, is in the temple and he's, he's literally diametrically opposed or diametrically, he's seated in a diametric opposite of where they're taking up the offering. You remember the, the, the widow with her mites? You remember that? You remember the, the, the religious individual who had plenty to give? Kelly? You know the scripture I'm talking about right there in Mark? You know what the scripture says? It uses the word post. In the Greek, and it means how? This is what the scripture actually says right there. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people gave. How? How? It means, post means the manner in which they gave. Not how much, but how. Post. Post. Hold on. Hold on. This is what the Scripture says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Okay. He just said, I'm going to bless you abundantly so that you'll have all that you need so you can complete these good works, right? The Scripture says right there in Ephesians, right there, says we are the handiwork of God created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance right can we can we can we not can we not see the conversion of those two scriptures god is he knows what he's prepared in advance he knows what you need he'll bless you abundantly to accomplish that understand in this scripture and in that scripture god knows what you need He knows the purpose in which you need it, and He will provide it for His purpose in your life. We have to get to a place where God's purpose in our life is our purpose in our life. That's not hard. All right, let's let's move on. Let's move quickly. We're going to jump through nine verses. Nine verses. All who are skilled among you are to come and make everything the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle with its tents and with its coverings, clasps, frames, crossbars, posts, and bases. The ark with its poles. Now we'll cover all this as we get in the next chapters. The ark with its poles and atonement cover and the curtain that shields it. The the table with its poles and all its articles and the bread of the presence. The lampstand that is for light with its accessories. Lamps and oil for the light. The altar of incense with its pose, The anointing oil and the fragrant incense. The curtain for the doorway. The curtain. Y'all got that? This is sweet now. At the entrance to the tabernacle, the altar of burnt offerings with its bron- bronze grating, its poles and all its utensils, the bronze basin with its stands, the curtains of the courtyard with its posts and bases, and the curtain for the entrance to the courtyard. The tent pegs for the tabernacle and for the courtyard and their ropes, the woven garments worn for ministry, ministering in the sanctuary, both the sacred garments for Aaron and the priests, and the garments for his sons when they serve as priests. And you're like, okay, Trent, what about all that you just read? Well, let's go all the way back into that very first verse. (laughs) And we're going to, this is what he says, all who are skilled among you are to come and make everything the Lord has commanded. One question, we move on. Your skills, your talents, your giftings, are they accessible by God to God? Are you literally, come on, are you literally saying, Mike, whatever I can do, whatever God has gifted me, whatever skill set I've got, I'm available. Is that what we're saying, Greg? We've got to be really honest. Everything I can do, Danny Nichols, everything, every skill I've got, it's yours. It's yours. And so as the kingdom expands... It will continue to expand on the the dunamis and the inergo of God as we make ourselves available with the skills that he's given us. The question is, are we really giving him access to those skills, those giftings, those blessings, Right? Then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence. And everyone who was willing. I want you to check. This submission mentioned five times. Five times. Then in this chapter, or, 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 or everyone who was willing. Listen to this. I love this. And everyone who was willing and whose hearts... Moved them, came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meeting, for all its service, and for the sacred garments. I love the scripture when it says, and whose heart moved them. Now, saw in the Hebrew, and it means, listen, to lift or to stir. Now, listen, this week I went, I was staying in the deck, and I'm doing some work, uh, for my mother-in-law and I'm power washing and staining some decks for her and whatnot. And so I go down to Lowe's and, and I pick out the color that I want. I, I want to go with a semi-transparent for my deck. I'll go with a solid for her stuff because we ain't really worried about how good that looks. We're worried about how good mine looks. She, she knows, right. But so I go in there, man, and I want to get a, a semi-transparent. And so uh, I said, hey, man, this is the color I want. And I go over to the mixer. You know, the, the paint, the, the stain mixer. And I, and I go up there and I say, hey, brother, this is what I want. Copacabana. I don't know what the color was. I don't know what it was. I say, hey, man, give me some of this. He says, all right, man. And I see them put it in the machine. And I seen them hit the buttons and the pigmentation begin to bleed out. We've all done this. right? We've all painted. We've all stained something, right? Uh, sometimes stained the things we didn't aim to stain. But we've stained something. And I'm watching the pigmentation. Uh, drop into the bucket and whatnot, and and the 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 once uh, it's in there, it's it's resealed, and then it's agitated, it's agitated. And he pops the top off, and he takes a little a uh, little brush or a little a little a little, a little brush that it. it's got a little foam uh, d- a dabber on the end of it, and he dabs a little bit of the paint, and he and, and seal. And he puts it on the top of the paint lid or the seal lid. You know what I'm talking about? So you have an idea of what color the seal actually is. And I look at it and I say, man, that's it. That is perfect. And so I get home. Donnie, you know what I do? I, I put the seal in the garage. I said, I'll, I'll get out there in a couple days and I'll get that done. And I went and had it agitated. Had, it, had it, the color assessed. It's right, man. So I go out there and a couple of days later, there it I do go out there and, and I'm getting ready to seal my deck, and I've done power washing, cleaned it, and I, I pop the lid off. I'm mean, like, oh, that ain't the color that's on top of that. That's not, that that, that, that that wasn't my Copacabana. You know what I'm talking about? That wasn't the color that I had purchased. Well, whatever it was, I don't know what it was. We'll call it that and we'll leave it there. You know what I had to do? Girl. (laughs) I got out a paint stick. And I got it in there, man. I went to the bottom where the pigmentation had settled. And I began to stir that stuff, man. I began to move it. You know what I'm talking about? I began to move it. Right? Nassau. And all of a sudden that pigmentation begin to release off the bottle of that bucket. And that Copacabana, the beauty of the color or whatever color, it began to mix up. And the very color that I had purchased before my very eyes becomes alive again. And then all of a sudden, instead of calling lows and wanting my money back, I'm blessing the Lord because the movement and the steering of the, of the, of the stain had brought the true color to the surface. And God is saying right there, right here in this scripture, everyone who was willing, whose hearts had been had had moved them, who they really were, deep inside them, though it may have settled through rebellion, God, his spirit stirred them, and the pigmentation that set deep in their soul, which really determined the color of who they were, began to mix back up and begin, and then they were like, I want to give. Oh, some of us. Need the top taken off, right? We need that piece of wood stuck in there through the bottom, and we need to be agitated, stirred, moved. Now, stop, right? She's with me. She's stirred. We need to be stirred. Okay, Trent, go on whose heart moved them, came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work of the tent of meeting, for all its service and for the sacred garments, all who were willing, men and women alike. Okay. Do I, I don't have to comment there, do I? You know what that means? It means men, men and women alike, right? No one exempt, right? You got that? We got that. But you know what else it means? Men and women alike needed stirred, needed moved, needed, ag- needed agitation. Nassau, you know what I'm talking about? This ain't a gender thing, man. It's a spiritual thing that's encapsulated in every man and every woman. Every one of us possess the same capacity... To allow the pigmentation of God's Spirit and His love to settle on our lives to the extent that we lose the flavor and color of God. But men and women alike, having been stirred, having been moved, came and brought gold, jewelry of all kinds, brooches, earrings, rings, and ornaments. Listen to this. They all presented their gold as a wave offering to the Lord. That's not a water wave. Right? That's, that, that's not what that means. It doesn't mean a water wave to new fall. It means to wave. I mean, they brought their offerings with their hands lifted to God. Hey Amen. That's a beautiful way to, That's the reason we bring our offerings up front, right? It's an act of worship. Okay. Tri- come on. Let's. Everyone who had blue, purple, or scarlet yarn, or fine linen or gold hair... Ram skins, dyed red or other durable leathers brought them. Those presented an offering of silver or bronze brought it as an offering to the Lord. And everyone who had acacia wood for any part of the work brought it. Every skilled woman. Man, God's dropping stuff everywhere, ain't he? He's dropping skill here, skill there. Not to glorify them, but to accomplish his purpose. You know what we have here? We have skilled men. We have skilled women. Right? Skilled by the deposit of God, Drew. Right? Every skilled woman spun with her hands and brought what she had spun, blue, purple, or scarlet yarn or fine linen. And all the women who were willing and had the skill spun the goat hair. The leaders brought onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod breastpiece. You know what it's saying? They're doing what Moses asked. Right? They also brought spices and olive oil for the light, for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense. All these Israelite like men and women who were willing, there it is, who were willing, brought to the Lord. Listen, a free will, right? Brought to the Lord free will offerings. This was of their own constitution, their own prerogative. This was an offering given Freely. Freely, and you say, and for all the work the Lord through Moses had commanded them to do. And you say, well, what's up with that free will? Why are you reiterating this? I'm reiterating this because things have shifted. You're talking about a people whose ancestors for nearly 400 years, Jay, have labored under slavery. Labored, They labored because they had to labor. They worked because they had to work. They had taskmasters beating them killing them, brutalizing them. The distinction here now isn't a a, a, a task that has to be undertaken out of force or out of some type of oppression, but this is a free will expression. These people were saying, we've been liberated. What used to be a burden to me, the word was a burden to me. I freely do this. And you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. It becomes the labor of love, right? The labor of love. Okay, we're closing. We're closing. Then Moses said to the Israelites, now you've got to get this. See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. Now you remember who this cat is? You remember who Hur was? Remember her was with Aaron holding the arms of Moses up. Remember when Joshua was out there as a young warrior fighting the Amalekites. You remember that? Remember her. You remember when Moses ascends up to Mount Sinai and the directive was given by Moses to Aaron and to her that in my absence you two were to manage the, the disputes of the people? Remember, that's the last time we hear about her. You never hear him mentioned again because the Midrash and the Talmud, which is is Jewish historical writings regarding the oracle law, the oral law, suggest that in the creation of the golden calf that her was murdered by the people which kind of explains God's harsh response in taking the lives of 3,000 other men who had led a rebellion because God's law was what? You take a life, your life will be taken. If these 3,000 men rebelling against God had taken the life of another, it then all of a sudden brings about a different level of clarity, does it not? Her never mention again The Talmud, the Midrash, suggests that he was murdered by standing up to the rebellion and saying, "This this is negligence, blasphemy against God. And they cut him down, is what the Jews would suggest. Orthodox Jews cling to that truth. And all truth is God's truth. You do realize that, right? Right? The law of gravity, that's not man's creation. That's the truth of God. The law of thermodynamics, that's not God, that's not man's, that's a principle. God established that. So all real truth is God's truth. Tim, thank you. That's true. And so what the scripture says is they they pick this kid, Basileel, who is the grandson of her. Oh, what a redemptive thing. But that's not the end of this thing, man. Check this out. See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of her, the grandson of her, of the tribe of Judah. You got that? You better hang on to that one. We're gonna go for a ride and we're gonna close this thing. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God, the grandson of her, with wisdom, with understanding and knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work. Listen to this. "...for working gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. And he has given him, or given both him and Oholiab, son of Ahisamech, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others." He has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as engravers, designers, embroiders in blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen and weavers. All of them skilled workers and designers, right? What about this Bezalel? What about this cat? What's so important about Bezalel, Trent? Let me tell you what's so important about this cat Bezalel. Now you ain't going to hear a whole lot about him. But he's one of the most significant people ever to live in the Old Testament. And I'm going to tell you why. Bezalel was a carpenter. And when I say carpenter, biblical sense, stonemason, woodworker, artisan. But he wasn't just any carpenter. Bezalel was filled with the Spirit of God, full of wisdom. And skill, right? Filled with the Spirit of God. Bezalel was a carpenter from the tribe of Judah. You know what Bezalel did? You know what Bezalel did? When every article, every piece of furniture was being created for the tent of meeting, for the tabernacle, every reference to every article, furniture is always referenced as they built this. Meaning all the skilled people. But there's something that was built that isn't referenced like that. You know what it was? It was something built by Bezalel. You know what he built? He built the Ark of the Covenant. He built the mercy seat. He covered it with gold, man. You say, Trey, watch. What's the big deal about that? The big deal about that is this in closing. He wasn't the last carpenter from the tribe of Judah that had his hands laid on the wood for the purpose of God. Just like Bezalel in creating the covenant or the Ark of the Covenant which would become a tool, a vessel, a bridge by which God would bring his people into relationship with him. There was another carpenter who laid his hands on the wood too. For what reason? To bring God's people back into relationship with God. And that prophet and that man and that carpenter was one that we would come to know as the great snake crusher. The Messiah, the Christ, the lion of the tribe of Judah. May I say to you, the master windworker. And Bezalel is an image of what is to come. And so when we read the scripture, how can you refute it? It's overwhelming the rhythm of the scripture. For the creation of the Ark of the Covenant, the hands of a carpenter from Judah, to the beautiful hands nailed to the wood in the Gospels of a carpenter from the tribe of Judah. Nailed there for you and for me, Jay. Oh God. Oh, God, may we too be filled with the Spirit of God, filled with skill and wisdom, that we too can find our place in the appropriation of God's will and plan, that we would be occupying our spot, that someday someone like myself, who speaks of Bezalel in his passing, would say of me and say of you, Greg and Dan, say of Derek and of Donnie and Gabe and Ricky and and Chase and Kevin Dennis and I can go on and on Drew that they would say of us as we speak of Ezalow today oh what an instrument and the scripture says listen to this the scripture says in Exodus 37 verse 1 And Bezalel made the ark of Acacia wood And everything else is they built You think that's not intentional You think God didn't just drop that in there And said I've got a thing For, car- for carpenters <laughs> From Judah And I've got one coming <laughs> Stand with me this morning Oh, bless the name of the Lord, man. Bless the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. It's only 1230. Shoot, y'all lucky. If you're a visitor this morning, you think, man, this was long. Man, you got here on a devotion Sunday. This is a devotion Sunday. This is one of those (laughs) toast and coffee devotions. Let's pray that the Word of God that we've covered this morning we find home in your heart you would leave here understanding the great effort that God has made to redeem you and to restore you to build a bridge between man and God in Christ Jesus And the scripture says, and as you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house. (laughs) Father in Jesus' name, oh God, may the truth of this word energize us. May the dunamis, Lord, be deposited in our spirits that we can go out there, accomplish the assignment Because we've not abandoned the fellowship. Not abandoned the the relationship. But we've clung to that. We've embraced the margins you've created for us to our benefit. And we'll be faithful over the labor of love you've called us to accomplish. And may it be said of us whatever assignment you've given us that Trent and whoever else did that because God had said do that and may be nothing more we want to honor you in our lives, we want to honor you in our homes in our jobs in our our church Church, churches so Father I bless my brothers my sisters, encourage them and energize them empower them and it's in the name of Jesus The Judah Carpenter with splintered hands. It's in his name we pray and we ask these things. And the skilled women and skilled men that we call the sons and daughters of God said amen. Amen. God bless you.